Hello. Um, I thought it would be helpful to explain some of um, the gem language and just so it makes more sense to you next time that you hear people say things or look at your programming and just know what's what. Um, because when I first started training in a gym, I had to Google everything. Um, so I had no clue what things meant. And even when I found a training program template, it's still going to be really, really confusing. Um, because, you know, like I didn't know what it meant by supersets and some of the acronyms. So hopefully this will a explain a bit more about or explain to you a bit more about like what's what and what the things mean um but also give you a little bit of um idea of how to apply it as well maybe give you a little bit of help with planning your own training program um so yes let's let's see brace yourself you maybe want to grab a coffee or a notepad as well because there's a little bit to go through we'll see we'll see how it goes um, but yeah, let's start with the basics first. So your reps and sets. And I know for a lot of you, this will be very obvious. And um, at least you, you've come across it before or that terminology. But for some, it might be a completely new thing. Um, so hey, we're here for everybody, right? So let me explain that reps or repetitions um, are basically the number of times that you perform the exercise. So like when you do 10 squats in a row, it's basically your 10 reps of squat. Sets are kind of rounds. So if you have three sets of 10 reps of squats, you do 10 squats and that is your one set. So your one round, let's say. And then you rest. And after the rest, then you do another set of 10 squats. So basically you've got your sets or your rounds that are separated by a rest time. And you might see in your program some exercises that are marked as supersets. Um, this means that you will perform two exercises back to back with no rest between those exercises. And then you rest after both are completed. And then you repeat that superset again. So if you have a lat pull down superset with dumbbell chest press, for example, you'd perform the lat pull down and then go straight into the chest press without resting between them. Then take a rest as prescribed in your program. So however long it says you should be taking rest for. And the same goes for triset. So if you, you might come across that. And triset is basically the same as superset, but with three exercises back to back. Now, the number of reps in each set will depend on your training goal and the goal of this particular exercise. And this will be dictated, or this will dictate rather, what load you will use for the exercise, um, so how heavy you will go with the weights, and what the rest time should be between the sets as well. So let's say you can perform 12 repetitions of squats with 10 kilograms. And your program asks you to do six repetitions. So if you perform those six reps of squats with 10 kilograms as well, it won't be anywhere near as challenging as your 12 reps. So you want to choose weights that are heavy enough for you to feel like this exercise is a challenge and it's a challenge to perform six reps. And as you go lower with reps and heavier with weights, you'll need longer rest between those sets to make sure that you can go into the next set being able to perform a good quality set. So working in six to 12 reps ranges, typically you'd rest somewhere between one to two minutes. Um, if you're working between one to six reps per set, you'll be lifting much heavier and you'll need more time to recover between sets, in which case you'd rest between two to five minutes. 
Now this can be a little bit individual, so the rest time like is a range, um, as you can see. Uh, it very much depends on a few factors, and it's just to make sure um, that your body is not accumulating too much fatigue that will then affect your ability to perform the exercise effectively. That's the goal of resting between sets. Um, so, as I know that some of you listening um, are or have transitions transitioned into the weights training from previously doing classes in the gym or maybe home workouts that you found online and in those classes or workouts a lot of the times you're used to do high repetitions work so you know in your classes you do definitely more than six reps or even more than 10 reps and you're also used to very short rest times so you feel the burn in the muscles you're often sweaty and out of breath and so the concept of sitting around for a full minute or even more uh, and not being totally exhausted um, might make you think that you're not working hard enough. And this is something I had to get used to as well myself. At first, it was like a weird concept of me being just not out of breath and, you know, sat around just looking at my phone, <laughs> waiting for that rest time to finish because that one minute or two minutes, it just felt like ages. Um, but this is a different form of training now. So if you're looking at strength training or weight training, it has a different goal as well. You might have been attending classes to lose body fat or to feel fitter, um, but weight training or strength, strength training will help you with that as well. But it will be way more optimal to help you tone up, change your body composition or to get stronger. And for it to be effective, you cannot treat the session the same as you would treat that sweaty fitness class. So when you lift weights and don't allow for enough rest between sets, you will feel like you're fatigued um you fatigue your muscle therefore you have stimulated to enough to grow and yes when you want to tone up it means that you want to grow muscles because you're struggling with each set because you feel your muscle burning but in fact the shorter rest you've taken just gave the signal to the brain that you're too fatigued that this is painful and it will stop recruiting the muscle you're targeting in the most optimal way so it won't be able to recruit all of the muscle fibers and that's that's our goal, to use as many muscle fibers of that muscle as possible to stimulate the change in its strength, shape, or size. So we can choose short and longer rest time sometimes, depending on the outcome we want or depending on the exercise. And you might want to consider a longer rest period when you're performing compound exercises. So here's another term um, for you that you might come across when looking at the weight training. So Compound movements or compound exercises are those exercises that use more than one joint. And when you think of your squat again, to perform that movement, which is essentially what you do sitting down, for instance, you need to bend your knee. You also have to move your hips back. And there's also some action at your ankle joint. Therefore, compound exercises are more complex and demanding for the body and uh, for your nervous system as well. And they recruit more muscle groups. And this is why you might consider a longer rest time to recover from each set. And not just for your muscles to rest, but also for your brain and your nervous system to recover so that you're mentally ready for the coming sets. Um, and I mean, I'm not talking about Bulgarian split squats, um, which I don't think anyone is ever fully ready for, no matter how long, you, uh, how long of a rest you take. But yeah, for compound movements, you might want to consider 
more more of a rest and when it comes to isolation exercises those are less complex less taxing on your body and your nervous system and therefore you can allow for a shorter rest time um, and your isolation exercises are the exercise that you single use single joints to perform the movements so think of bicep curl or leg extension right you're still with me. <laughs> um, another term you might have heard or will come across is progressive overload. This is the aim of the programming, so your training program. And it's all about making sure that you keep on progressing or getting results by making each training session challenging enough or creating enough stimulus for your body to respond to. Whether we're focusing on hypertrophy, which means muscle growth, or strength, or whatever your goal is. Progressive overload allows us to avoid a plateau and can be applied in different ways as well. So I guess the most obvious way is by increasing the weight you're lifting, but that's not the only way. So you can also achieve progressive overload by increasing the number of reps or sets that you perform, uh, shorten rest time between sets. Um, you can also um, move into more challenging variation of that exercise or increase the range of movement that is also known as ROM ROM and I'll stop here for a second just to explain this term as it's again one of one one to be aware of um, so if we take a squat as an example let's say that you just touch and do squats and without using any additional weight, you can comfortably perform the movement so you can go into your squats but without going quite as low so when we increase the range of movement, it, will, it means that you will go lower into your squats, making it harder to come out of that movement, come out of that squat, challenging your strength more. So we've increased the range of movement and going deeper into your squat. Similarly, we can add range of movement when you perform step-ups, for instance. So initially starting with a smaller box or a lower box, and over time using a higher box as you get stronger. Back to progressive overload though, one of the less obvious ways you might be progressing in without realizing um, that you do is becoming better at performing that exercise. So especially when you're a beginner or you're pra practicing a new exercise, you won't necessarily increase the weights you're lifting or number of repetitions or the range of movement. You will first focus on your form and efficiency of the movement. And this is also a way of progressing or staying in that progressive overload. So that's also something that I always try to tell my clients, especially when they first start or start something new. Um, don't always focus on the numbers and how, how much you lift. It's also about how well you lift in that weight, how well you're moving through that exercise. And that's, uh, that is a big progression. Okay, um, another term I want to go over is RIR, which stands for reps in reserve. And it's one of the ways describing how challenging the exercise or the set should be. And I use uh, reps in reserve with my clients as it helps us, uh, helps us establish if we need to apply the progressive overload. Or in other words, do we need that set to be more challenging? And looking at a week-to-week -week progression to keep things simple, uh, I would usually ask my clients to either increase their reps or the weight they're lifting. So for most exercises I prescribe for my clients, um, they have a rep range to work within. So this could be, for instance, three sets of eight to 10 reps. 
This means that it would perform the exercise with a given weight um, that it chose, and they might be able to perform 10 repetitions in the first set, 9 repetitions in the second set, and 8 repetitions in the last set with the same weight. So to ask if that's the case, it will be an indicator that then we'll stick to the same weight for the exercise. And in the next session, next session, we'll work towards achieving 10 reps on all three sets before we're adding weights. And to help my clients and also myself in my own sessions um, decide how heavy to go or how many reps I can perform, we use reps in reserve for each set or a prescribed reps in reserve for every set. Let's say you have those three sets of eight to 10 repetitions with two reps in reserve. This will mean that when you finish your set, you only have two reps left in you that you could perform with a decent form or with a good form. So if you have rep range of eight to 10 and you perform a deadlift at 50 kilograms, and at the eighth rep, you feel like you can only do a total of 10 reps, this is the max, you only have two more reps in a tank, you stop at eight repetitions because we want that to be two reps in reserve. Now, <clears throat> sorry, um, it takes some practice um, and a bit of a try and error before you're kind of more in tune with your body and you can really assess your reps in reserve. So don't worry if initially you're not sure how many reps you have in you have left in you or how many reps in reserve you have. Um, experiment with it, try it out. Sometimes you end up going too heavy or for too many reps and that last rep feels like the last, like the very last one, like you can't do anymore. But at least it will give you an idea of what zero to one reps in reserve feel like. And then you will know how to achieve more or less reps in reserve. So should you go for lower weight or should you go for less repetitions in total to achieve, let's say, two reps in reserve? I hope it makes sense. Um, but I think... This method is a great tool to regulate the intensity of your sessions as well. So not only dictates how many repetitions or what ways you're picking up, but it also can help you regulating depending on how you feel um, in that session or on a day. As you know, we won't always come in a session feeling 100%. You might be stressed, you might be on your uh, period, your period might be affecting you and how you feel. Maybe you've had poor sleep the night before. So Rather than focusing on how much weight you should lift, you can go by reps in reserve. And on a quote-unquote good day, you could feel like you have one rep in reserve left when you're lifting 100, 100 kilograms. And then the next session you come in and your one, reps, one rep in reserve happens at 80 kilograms because of all those different reasons that can affect your performance. So how do you know how many reps in reserve should you go for? Or, you know, what should you have prescribed for each set? Um, as always, or as happens a lot uh, when it comes to training and fitness, it really depends. And it depends on many factors, like how much load can you tolerate? What's the goal for the exercise? What's your training age? So how long you have been training for? Or how well can you perform the exercise? And by that, I mean, how's your form and how confident you are with that movement? So if someone is a beginner and not familiar with lifting, I'd usually start first sessions with somewhere around three, four reps in reserve. As our goal here is to learn the form, get familiar with the movements before starting going any heavier. And over time, I would stick to 
anywhere between zero to two reps in reserve. For some exercises, we want to be closer to failure, um, so closer to not having any reps in reserve. Whilst with other exercises, we sh- uh, we really want to be for it to be challenging enough, but we don't want to be completely exhausted by the end of it, or you don't want to completely exhaust your body, because we, for instance need to preserve some energy and need to preserve some of that for the rest of the session for the next sets um etc also some exercises are safer to go to failure than others and um, that will be depending on the setup and on the level of difficulty of the exercise i wouldn't want you to try going to complete failure when you're uh, when you cannot physically perform any more reps on a barbell squat for example um maybe unless someone is spotting you but if you're doing a hip thrust, you're in a far safer position sitting on the floor to push yourself closer to zero reps in reserve. So we might choose it based on the type of exercise that you use, that you perform. Um, and let me touch on that working to failure. If you fail the rep, it doesn't mean that you're a loser, okay? Um, let's say you bicep curl, um, you know, you start doing your bicep curl, you start feeling, you start off feeling great. Then halfway through, you feel the burn more and more. And then by the end of your set, on that last rep, you cannot lift the dumbbell all the way up. So you've achieved that mechanical failure. Um, no matter how hard you try, you just cannot move that way anymore. So that will be your fate, like training to failure. And training to failure has its time and place. Um, but usually it isn't necessary for less advanced lifters. And for majority of the sets, you won't have to be... Um, as close to it, but you want to leave yourself with like one, two reps in reserve, which that that will be challenging enough to stimulate the muscle growth. Right. So that's your reps in reserve, training to failure, and hopefully I've covered some of the main terms and um things that you know are associated with training and training program. Feel like we've covered a lot. So I'll stop right here. But if there's anything or there are things that you need more clarification on or would like me to explain any other terms that you're unsure of please let me know as i will explain it happily in other episodes or in another episode um but yes as always please reach out to me let me know if this was helpful um it would be great to know that whatever i'm talking about is actually something that you're interested in and something that you can then apply or it helps you clarify things um and if it does, please do subscribe. <laughs> yes, I have to say it. Um, and please share with your friends if you might find it helpful too. Um, yeah, have a great week, everyone. Bye.